This is Xane Anderson. Welcome to the Principal Podcast today. Today, I'm thrilled to have as my guest on the show, Charles Hawley. He's an international speaker. He's an award-winning author, and he's a 30-year business professional who's served in various leadership roles. He's a minister. He reaches out to the world through his speaking and books and workshops and conferences. So grateful to have you on the show today, Charles. Thanks it is so wonderful us. to be here with you and share in this awesome experience that I know we're going to have today. I think we are. Tell us a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about your story, Charles. We'd love to hear. Sure. I am what they would call a Southern boy. Okay. I was born and raised in North Alabama during the 1960s, during the uh, civil rights movement. So it was a time that was very, very uh, volatile time. And I was grew up looking around me. I was very, very poor. In fact, I was the youngest of 17 children. Yes, the youngest of 17. And my family lived wow. in, this, in this very, very small, small house. Not, not all 17 of us. And by the time I was born, most of my older siblings had already left. We, I, I grew up during, during this time where I was looking around and as a five, six-year-old kid, I'm trying to figure out who am I, you know? And I grew up seeing these signs that indicated separate but equal. So I grew up during the time frame where I saw the water fountains, you know, the separate water fountains, bathrooms, restaurants, and things like that. In fact, I do remember as a kid that my parents went to this hamburger store um, but we couldn't go in through the front. We always ran around the back. So I, I knew then that something was different about me because I knew that only, only people who looked like me had, had to actually do that. So I grew up having very, very low self-esteem. I did not view myself as a person of value. And the people around me, um, really actually did not instill any value into me. Now, I'm not, I'm not blaming them. I'm, not, I'm saying that this was people's mindsets at, at, at that particular time. My mother and my father. Your mother and your father, is that who you're talking about? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My mother and my father were the original odd couple, I call them. My mother quiet, very, very quiet, peaceful, tried her best to do everything not to create a ruckus, an argument, a battle, because she knew and she saw what could happen to people who, quote unquote, stepped out of line. So she tried everything she could to bring peace, to make peace with her neighbors. But my father, on the other hand, was the complete opposite. He was loud, boisterous, deacon in the church. <laughs> And he did not mind mixing it up, threatening people. And in fact, he had his favorite shotgun that he often pulled on people, you know. And he would, you know, stick it in their face and he would say, get out of my yard before I send you to meet Jesus. You know, he was that, he was that type. So I grew up watching my parents looking at two totally different spectrums of people that my mother was modeling this one thing and my father was modeling something totally different. 
And plus that, having this low self-esteem, not seeing myself as a person of value. Well, lo and behold, once I grow into a young man and I meet a young lady, we fall in love, I get married. And the first years of our marriage, my modeling as a parent was terrible. I was at odds at times, which, which parent do I model here? Do I, do I model my mom or my dad? Well, I found out that I had a mixture of both. You know? uh, my father just, just did not believe in talking to children. He was the type of person who thought that children should be seen but not heard. You know? mm. So I often modeled that side toward my children. And my wife, on the other hand, grew up in a totally different family. She grew up in a family where people said, I love you. They talked and things like that. And so she looked at me like I was in a three-headed alien, you know. She was like, what, what is your problem? She was like, talk to your, talk to your child, you know. <laughs> and I was like, I don't need to talk to my child, blah, 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 you know. But she finally warned me over. And I finally began to look at the scriptures in a totally different light. And how often the scriptures tell us, talk to your children. Like the Bible says, even way back in the Old Testament, it says, talk to your children as you walk by the wayside, as you, you know, do all these different things in life, that God wants us to be involved in our children's lives. And I finally realized that. And I finally had to start opening up to my son and my daughter and starting to talk to them. I mean, really talk. I mean, not just ask them how your day is going. What, you know, what are you dealing with? What good times do you have? What bad times do you have? How many friends do you have? Was that yeah. hard for you? Let me ask you this, Charles. Was it hard for you to have grown up in a situation where perhaps your dad did not want to talk, talk to you, but now you're talking to your children? What, 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 tell me about that. Was it hard for you? Was it difficult for you? Yeah. It, it was extremely hard for me. Um, I am a person who has a pride issue. If I think something is, is best, we all I, tend, I tend to kind of stick to it and say, you know, that's my story. I'm going to stick to it. <laughs> but as God continues to work on us, like when we are truly born again, his spirit works on us and works on us and works on us until we finally go, okay, okay. And so I struggle for words. What do I say? What do I ask? If I say this, is it going to sound silly? You know. And so I began to just start with the little things and just say, tell me, what do you think about school? Do you like it? Do you not like it? What do you like about it? What do you not like? Mm. But I, I tried to do it at times while we were actually doing something. For example, we would be outside uh, throwing football or you know shooting, shoot, shoot, shooting basketball because I thought that those situations would help to loosen both of us up. You know, and 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 they did, they did. And so I, I kind of weaned myself into it that way before I ended up having the, let's sit down on the bed in your bedroom and let's really talk type moments. You know, I had those and I often found myself uncomfortable in those, in those positions because, you know, when you're looking at an eight-year-old child, that child's going to be honest with you. <laughs> you say, how's daddy doing? <laughs> They're going to look at you and say, 
Dad, you really need some help. <laughs> so Which is one uh, of the things we may need to hear from time yes, to time, correct? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. That's that's wonderful. Um so this transition from saying, hey, I was I was raised a certain way, but I'm gonna do it differently. I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. Sure. I think I really hit my plateau when my 13-year-old son died. Um, I, I, at that time, he had an eight-year-old daughter, 13-year-old son. Both of them great kids, all great kids. And my son was playing basketball one day at, at his new school. He was running down the court, and all of a sudden, he goes into cardiac arrest. He collapsed, went to the floor. And at that time, they had no, you know, defibrillators and anything like that. This was this happened back in two thousand and one. So moments later, he he passed, and his passing sent my family, my my eight year old daughter, my wife, and myself into a downward spin. I mean, our lives took a, a, a quick downward spiral. I had just started ministering a year before that happened. So I was a new minister. My wife saved, my daughter saved. But we struggled. We struggled with depression and each one of us in our own different ways. My daughter just became isolated. She just stayed in her room, stayed in her room. She went to school. But other than that, that was it. You know, wasn't talking to friends, wasn't doing, doing anything else. My wife stayed into stayed in the bedroom most of the time behind behind drawn curtains. She struggled with the suicidal depression, and here I was, you know, this this minister who's you know, who's supposed to know the word, supposed to know God, and now I'm trying to figure out how do I keep this family together? How do I survive myself? And I'm blaming God for it because I'm saying to God, "You are a miracle worker." And you could have stopped this, but you didn't. So I'm falling. My wife's falling. My daughter's falling. And we're not communicating with each other very well, sadly to say. But the Lord finally helped me to see something. When I went to him one of these one night with, in one of these complaining modes, I was like, God, how am I going to do this? How am I going to read reach my daughter? How am I going to reach my wife? How, how am I going to keep this family afloat? And it was impressed upon me. You're not. I am. And it was like, okay. <laughs> I think I need to hear that. <laughs> so I began to search his word looking for scripture. What does, what does your word say about people who are really depressed? How can I use your word to help them? And I begin to find scripture after scripture after scripture, you know, that I thought could help you know, my daughter and my wife and began to share those with them in intimate moments and just, and just talk, talk, because for the first time in my life, I wasn't scared to talk. Now, I realize I'm not going to do this. It's God who's going to do this. 
My assignment is just to share his word and his Holy Spirit will speak through his word and do his job. So I was completely free now from the fear of talking to someone and I'm just sharing God's word and I'm sharing also that, you know, I love you, I'm here for you. Uh, uh, you know, if you want to talk, we can talk. And I was going back and forth, ping-ponging between my wife and my daughter. And they both, they both, the spirit reached them both, God reached them both. And in time, you know, they they became better. You know, it wasn't one of these overnight things, but it was a gradual waking up, a gradual realizing that our life is not over. We're hurt. We're in pain, but our life is not over. And I think that's the thing that brought me out of my shell. Thank you for sharing that. Let me ask you this. You mentioned a little bit before you said, you know, you felt like you had this low self-esteem. Some of it's how you were raised. Some of it was the era and the time in which, you know, the air, every, everything that was happening at that time. How would you say to a dad now, To ha- what would you say to a dad who wanted to help build self-esteem in his own children, help his, his, his children achieve great things? What would you say to them? Yes, absolutely. As, as a child, what I really wanted and desired from my dad was I wanted to hear him say, I love you. I wanted to hear him say, you're important. I wanted to hear him say, you're smart. I wanted to hear him say, you're good. You're good at something, you know. I wanted him to pay attention to me. And the only memory I have of my father, there's only one intimate memory that I have of my father. And that was when I slept in the same bed with my father. So I, as you can imagine, I, I described that we had a huge family. We had a very small house. And so several people slept in the same, same bed together. So I happened to be you know, the youngest. And so I slept with my father and, and two or three other kids too in, you know, in the actual same bed. But I remember one night curling up in his arms and my father was a smoker. So he had this pipe. He's laying down in bed and he's smoking and I'm laying under his arm. And I remember as a kid looking up at this pipe and thinking, if those ashes come out that pipe, I'm going to have a bad. (laughs) And so he's sitting there puffing and sure enough, what happened? Some ashes come out of the pipe and they land on me and my father quickly brushes them off of me, you know, and he keeps on smoking and he, and he, Pulls me to him. And I remember just, you know, laying on my father's chest thinking, this is good. That's what our children want. So I say to fathers out there, be there. Be there for your children. Tell your children, I love you. Tell your children, you're smart. Tell your children, you can do great things. Tell your children, you are a gift from God. And with God, you can do all things that God wants you to do. Encourage our children because the Bible tells us to do that. Talk to our children, be there for our children. 
Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. You know, it reminds me of something. I, you know, I've, I've, I read a book that's been influential to me. It was called The um, Power of Positive Parenting by Glenn Latham. And he, he talked about how um, basically the premise of the book is if you, um, if you can, your behaviors are like seeds and attention is like water. And if you want to influence your children to do good things, you've got to be keyed into what they're doing right, what they're doing that's good, and then acknowledge those things. You know, so if they're putting effort into doing a math problem, they're yes. putting effort into making their bed, you can praise them and say, you know what, if, if the behavior is like a seed and attention is like water, mm-hmm. I can say, hey, wow, your bed looks great. Yeah. I love how you're doing that. Hey, I love that you're putting that, that effort into just trying to um, do that math problem. Yes. And then I like how you said it to just tell people just to say, you know what? I love you. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful. You're my son. Or I'm grateful. You're my daughter and you're a gift from God. I'm so grateful that you're in my life. Yes. They need to hear that from their dads. Mm-hmm. So grateful that you're in my life and I'll love you. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't be afraid to say it. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, 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 like I said, it was a struggle for me to start saying I love you, but the more I said it, the more naturally it became. Yeah. One, of, one of the things I like that you did too is, is you said to just go talk to your kids. And mm-hmm. I mean, when, you, when you're there, to maybe put the devices away, yeah. put them in a different room, and just ask them how their day was or why you're playing basketball or doing something. Yeah. Um, but ask them and be, be present there. Um, mm-hmm. Listen to them. Mm-hmm. So they feel Absolutely. like I am important because my dad is spending enough time with me, mm-hmm. not with anything else. He's not distracted on some device or we're just doing, you know, watching TV, but he's actually right here asking me how my day was, what happened Absolutely. to school, how I'm feeling about Absolutely. something. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that happened after my son died, was uh, at that time, my daughter was eight years old. Well, I started shortly thereafter, about a year later, I started to do workshops and teaching and talking to other other people about uh, them going through hard times. And I started comforting and encouraging them. And, and my daughter saw this at, a, at eight years old, nine, nine years old. And I didn't know how that affected her because I wasn't talking to her her too much about how she felt about his passing. And, but yet she saw me talking to other people about their issues. And I didn't find out until years later, maybe five or six years later, that my daughter finally confessed to me. She said, when I saw you talking to other people about how, how they felt about, about, you know, my brother's passing and you weren't talking to me, she said, I resented you for it. And I went, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize. That. I, I, I didn't realize. That. So talking to our children, being there for them, asking them, just like you said, just, just because talks, you know, just because you're here, just talk to me, tell me anything. Yeah. Well that. You know, as you said that, it reminded me of something. My my mom had this little cross stitch she put on the wall and it said, what you are at home is what you are. 
Wow. And interesting. What you are at home is what you are. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we fall into this trap of thinking, well, what I am is what I am in the business world or what I do mm-hmm. for a job or what I do in my community or what I even do at the church for, you know, a congregation or at the church, mm-hmm. whatever church I worship at. And that's what I am. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good reminder to remember, you know, yeah. the most, the most Absolutely. important role we have is in our own homes. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, if you think about it, um, if I think I can go out and say, build a business mm-hmm. and, and make it very successful, well, here's the truth. That business is going to be gone in a decade or two. It's going to be bought, sold, bankrupted, disrupted. It's not going to, it's not even going to be the same. But what I do in my own home or what you do in your home while you're shooting baskets and having the conversation, those moments, though they're less, there's less fanfare in the, in the present moment can go on for generations, can go on for hundreds of years, really forever. And so for us to focus all our efforts somewhere that's not going to last mm-hmm. and, and neglect the very people who need us most, right. our son, a son, a daughter, our children, our, our spouses our, in our marriage, yes. um, it seems to me that many of us, myself included, have gotten this wrong Instead of saying, let's spend our best efforts mm-hmm. talking to our daughter, talking to our son, and make them as important as anyone outside the home. Yes. So that they have that self-esteem, that feel good, and they know my dad has confidence in me and they can feel it. And that can be passed down yes. rather than um, having them have to struggle with some of the garbage that I could pass down if I'm not keyed in. Right. Yes. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, and and even even the Bible shows some very tender moments between God and Jesus Christ. That when Jesus is baptized, right, comes up out of the water, and the voice comes from heaven: "This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased." And several other other locations, and even Jesus at at, at one point shows his his passion of pleasing the father and jesus says i always do what pleases my father you know and that shows that tender passion and relationship between them um my daughter really she she really blew my mind one time um and she said now she's close to 30 now and she's looking for that for that special young man for that godly young man you know, he hasn't come along yet, but you know we're gonna we're gonna pray that you know he's on his way. <laughs> but she said to me uh, one day, she said, you know, whoever comes into my life, I'm going to be looking to see if they have traces of you, in them. and if they don't, I'm not gonna deal with it. Wow. And I just go, wow, what a compliment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. You know, and I just kind of, you know, tip off into the other room and go, but it, it's, that's, that's what we long for. Not just the children wanting compliments and attention from us. We should want that from them as well. You know, we should, 
We should want our children to want to be around us, to want to talk to us, to want to spend time with us, you know, and I'm, I'm very blessed to say that my daughter wants that. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Let me ask you this. What would you tell fathers if you could tell any, any, I mean, if you could nail it down to one thing, what would you say? This is what I think from my experience. This is what I would tell fathers if it had to be one thing. For me, it would have to be share the word of God. Share the word of God. Um, Just like the Bible says, it instructs us to be teachers, but more so it, it instructs us to be modelers. We're supposed to model the word of God. I think that that's the most important thing a father can can leave behind, can share, can sow into their child's life. The everlasting, eternal word of God, the wisdom of God that's going to help them to make decisions better. Um, the, The knowledge of God, which is going to help them to discern between right and wrong, good and bad, who to hang out with and who not to hang out with, uh, how to treat people. You know, the word of God is just so rich and just just aids our children in doing so many things in life. But the most important thing is for them to know Jesus Christ, know God the Father, and have a working relationship, intimate relationship. And that's, that's, that's my prayer now. It's my prayer has turned into that direction for my daughter and for, for my wife. And my prayer is always, Lord, draw them closer to you. Draw them closer to you. And because I know if they get drawn closer to God, then we will be drawn closer together as a family. Thank you for sharing that, Charles. Let me ask you this. Tell us a little bit about your book that you wrote. Sure. So my first book I wrote was entitled When Flowers Fade, about the passing of my son. That was back in 2002 or so. But since then, I've written a few more. Um, Most of my books I write write from my own background, experience. Most of them are based on spiritual things, uh, the the next level. Forgiver, but my latest book is entitled Black and White Healing Racial Divide. And I'm really blessed to have it receive a award from a, a book fest. So it's, 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 my, it's, my, it's my latest book and it's about healing. It's about healing our racial divide. And it's about mainly written to Christians about how we can come together and model this thing called love. You know, how we can come together and just love each other and set an example for the world and walk and talk love toward one another, regardless of our colors, shapes and sizes. And that's what I feel like God is calling me to do right now. It's just to reach out to people. And in that book also is is a is a section uh, inspired by you, by the way. For me to add that, that I just recently added that's called how to, how to talk to your kids about race. I was just going to ask you about that. That's very yeah. kind of you. 
And, and, and it's, it's, how should you talk to your kids about yeah. race? Tell us, tell us about that. Uh, I give several, several things, but the first thing I, I, I start off with is that you've got to give our children a viewpoint of color, shapes, and sizes that's shaped by God. You've got to give them that viewpoint because God sees color, shapes, and sizes in a totally different way than we see it. And so I, I say, take a walk through the book of Genesis and stop at each day of creation and talk about what some of the colors, shapes, and sizes must have been. You know, uh, bushes, you know, things in oceans, animals, mountains, trees, all kinds of things that God created. And look at all of the different colors, shapes, and sizes God used. And then he got down to the crown of his creation, which was human beings. And guess what he did for human beings? He made them using the same pattern of different colors, shapes, and size. And to God, he says, he looks back on his creation and he says, it's good. And that word good, I read somewhere, meant meets his standard. So if all of our color, shapes, and sizes meets his standard, then we should be in awe of each other. I could look at your color and, and, and see God's handiwork and say, God is just marvelous. God is just awesome. He's talented. Look at your, look at your beautiful, godly, radiant color. I love your color, X. I love it. Well, I love and yours you. Too, yes. <laughs> I love you. And you should look at me and go, "Wow, God really is talented, isn't he?" You know. And so we need to see each other that way. And but somewhere along the way, sin came in, and it brought about these things that we call today races, and that have been used to just divide us. So we've got to get back to the way God views color, shapes, and sizes, and that's what I start with in the book. Just say, what a beautiful creation. Wow, isn't, isn't that wonderful? I love how you shared that, Charles. What a, what a great way to, to talk to your children about race. Thank you for sharing it. Well, I appreciate you so much being on the show. Is there anything else you'd like to tell our viewers? And, how, and also, I'd like to ask how they can get a hold of you. Sure. Sure. My website is speakerholly.com. So it's speaker, H-O-L-L-E-Y.com. And on that website is all of the information, my, my books, how you can get in contact with me. Feel free to go to speakerholly.com and look around. Uh, I do keynotes, workshops, conferences. So if you're looking for a speaker uh, to, to, to speak on race or any other sub, sub, subject matter related, uh, you know, look me up. But I, I, I want to just, just leave your audience with this. God loves you. God loves you. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing right now, he loves you. And he wants the best for you. He's got a plan for your life. And even though you might be a parent who has stumbled and fallen and made some mistakes, guess what? God can turn things around. And that's his specialty. So get up, brush yourself off, thank the Lord, and let's give it another try. Okay? It's going to work out. 
What a great message, Charles. It's such an honor to have you on the show. Thank you for sharing with us today. And uh, again, Charles Harley, feel free to reach out to him. Thank you for being on the Principal Podcast today. I really enjoyed it, X. Thank you so very much for having me. I am so jealous of my wife because she gets the ultimate career. She gets to train and nurture and love our children more than I get to because I have to be doing things like this podcast. Parenting is the ultimate career. If you like what you heard today, please like, subscribe, comment, leave a review. Thank you for listening. You can also check out my book, What I Want My Children to Know Before I Die. It's available on Amazon and other bookstores. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>